Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, the galactic hub for all things Star Wars. My name is Blake, and I'm here with Grant. Hey. Wesley. What's up, dorks? Andrew. Howdy, dorks. And Diedrich. Hello. So I want to take a moment and thank everybody for listening to our podcast, liking our Facebook, our Twitter. Um, it's, it's actually been really cool to see you guys interact with our pages. Um, so much so that I have decided to dub the fans of this podcast the Dork Lords. So you guys, the Dork Lords, are what make this podcast possible. So we want you to go and like our Facebook, our Twitter, interact with us, um, comment on our stuff, retweet our stuff. Let us know what we can talk about. Let us know how we're doing. Go rate us on Apple Podcast, um, on Spotify, wherever you can rate us and wherever you get your podcast from. Rate us and tell us how we're doing because we would like to know. We also have a Discord uh, channel, and that's just Dork Wars the podcast. So type that in the Discord, join our server, and you can be part of the discussion as well. So today we are going to talk about our favorite villains. Um, each one of us has a villain that we're going to present and we're going to discuss it. Uh, funnily enough, my wife, we were talking about this last night um, while playing video games, and my wife chimed in and gave her favorite villain. Um, she doesn't have very much experience with the prequel. Well, actually, no experience with the prequels. She's never seen the prequels. She's seen the original trilogy, and that's it. But while me and the guys were talking about this, all I hear from the bedroom she says Darth Maul and I'm like Darth Maul like how do you even know who that is well f this is something that I'd previously forgotten but we actually went to Disney World on our honeymoon back uh four years ago and some change and uh we were walking through Toy Story Land this is before there was Galaxy's Edge so there wasn't this star whole Star Wars world yet so we're walking from Toy Story Land, kind of that bridge between there and where the Star Wars stuff was, and Darth Maul like sneaks up behind us and goes past, and she freaks out. I've never heard her scream like that before. Uh, pretty pretty funny. But that is her only experience with Darth Maul, and she thinks he's the greatest villain. So that's pretty awesome. So we're going to go one by one and talk about our favorite villain. So let's start with Grant. Grant, who is your favorite villain? Why do you like them? What what do you what do you think about him? So give it to us, Grant. All right. Um, this is probably pretty straightforward and simple since I mentioned him in like every episode of the podcast that we've had. Um, my favorite villain is actually Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, I mean, he's just very methodical, very smart. He isn't, you know, he isn't very. I mean, he's a good fighter, but we don't think of him as you know somebody who's really strong in the Star Wars universe because he doesn't use the Force. So I think it's really interesting to have uh, a different type of villain that was so imperative in both uh, the Legends and the current canon uh, via Rebels. And so uh, he's really cool, really methodical, really someone that can really make you think. Um, he's cool, he's calm, he's collected. Um, he's not like Vader. He doesn't go off on temper tantrums. He isn't like Kylo Ren in the sequels where when something went wrong, he, he turned and you know, use his lightsaber to slash up uh, a console that was just sitting there at that point. Um, it, no, it, when something goes wrong, he's going to be cool and collected about it. Uh, there will be punishment for it, of course, because it's the Imperial Navy, but he, he was just a different type of villain. He wasn't off the rails. He was collected. He was calm. And there's something about a calm evil that's just really n 
nerve ending and makes you really like kind of afraid almost. And so that's, you know, just a quick synopsis of Thrawn. I don't want to take too much time here in my introduction to him and why I like him, but there he is. I want to, I want to jump in and ask a question. Okay, go ahead. Grant, this is for you. So like in, in the legends material, they kind of make Thrawn out to be less of like a bad guy and more of like a guy who just saw the Empire as being the better of the two choices, and he was almost trying to, like, change it from within. I think that most of that's kind of Legends now, but I haven't kept up with all the canon on Thrawn. How, is that the same? Is that different? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question and great observation. Um, in the both the Thrawn uh, trilogy of the EU and also in the duology that we see, um, he was doing that. He was like, this is the less of two evils, this is what I can do. And uh, it was definitely something that uh, made Thrawn a very interesting character. Um, but in the new canon for Disney, um, he's seen first in Rebels, but really um, the first book that Timothy Zahn put out for him in the new canon takes place before Rebels. And while I'm only through that first book and the halfway through the second one of that of the new Thrawn trilogy, um, Thrawn is certainly more of the same character. He doesn't exactly like the empire um he he likes order he likes control he likes um you know taking out threats against the chiss ascendancy really um he was sent there to kind of see if the empire would help them uh, with threats uh in the unknown regions and even within the galaxy that were more dangerous than the empire it even says in the book so i think thrawn is is very cool he is a calm and composed leader to his to his guys and in, in the uh, the navy that he is head over, the biggest thing that I've seen though from Thrawn in the canon now versus the Legends material is he's introduced a lot sooner, um, before the original trilogy. Where in Legends we didn't know anything about Thrawn until after the original trilogy. Um, I think Thrawn's presence really creates a more structured and direct form of uh of leading in in the um in the empire that we don't get to see so what what do you think and this is for anybody who wants to answer what do you what do you think Thrawn's biggest accomplishment has been so far in in the canon material all right um his biggest accomplishment um i think really comes from the books uh, the first book, in fact, uh, I no one else has read it at this point in the here, I don't think, so be warned, this may be kind of spoilery, um, but he, he does thwart a big rebellion coup before Rebels, or takes place during Rebels, I guess. Um, he, he does that in the book, and he does a fantastic job of it. Um, you see him rise from the ranks, he goes through the Imperial uh, Navy Academy over, I mean, he walks in, basically, and gets put there by the Emperor, and it's very interesting to see. Um, and then in the second book, I haven't finished it at this point, but you see him go toe to toe with Darth Vader. I mean, the book actually is the second book anyway, is written from the perspectives of both Thrawn and Vader and, uh, also Thrawn and Anakin because it does some previous past relations stuff that they had actually met before, but Thrawn doesn't realize this at this point. Um, so it, it's very interesting. And I really think that his greatest accomplishment is the way he took down this, uh, this, in the canon, anyway, in this rebel group that uh, even took over a part of a imperial planet during uh, even before uh, Rebel season three started. He also develops that advanced Tie Fighter, not the Tie Advance. It's a different one. I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but the Tie Defender. Defender, that's right. 
you see that in Rebels. He's trying to, he's really trying to win favor by getting, you know, funds and money that was going toward the Death Star project to go toward this. And unfortunately, that never happened. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, yeah, it did happen a little bit and uh, had some issues with it. But I mean, um, in the book, they expand on that a little bit because you find out that Thrawn was never told by the Emperor about it. And he just kind of figured it out on his own. And it's very cool to see him figure that part out of the Empire about. Sweet. That's awesome. What does everyone else think about Thrawn? Um, one last thing I wanted to say before we kick it over to the next person about Thrawn is, uh, you know, that we talked about how he's interesting. All right. Um, so, yeah. So how we had talked about how Thrawn had been introduced in the canon earlier, like we said. Um, well, I think now that he's being introduced at this point in the Mandalorian series, um, it's five years after the Battle of Endor. And in the original Thrawn trilogy, that's about when he showed up. So I'm wondering if they're going to kind of do a not exact replica of the Thrawn trilogy, um, but more of something or Heir of the Empire type deal. Um, but something that they could definitely try to do is uh, adapt that story somewhat. So, Wesley or Andrew, do you have any thoughts on Grand Admiral Thrawn? I'm still watching Rebels myself, so I'm not too familiar with Thrawn. But, um, you know, his, his name was mentioned in The Mandalorian, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what, what I learn about him and, and how that goes. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Grand Admiral Thrawn is a very solid and tactical villain. He is imposing, even though he's not a Sith Lord or Force-sensitive at all. He doesn't carry a lightsaber, yet he is still one of the more imposing villains that we've seen in the canon. And I think that's really cool. So, Grand Admiral Thrawn's really cool. Let's kick it over to the next person, Wesley. Okay. Who is your favorite Star Wars villain? Yeah. And why do you like them? Yeah, so my favorite villain was arguably the most successful bounty hunter in the entire series. It's the one, the only, Greedo. No, I'm just kidding. I actually do like Greedo, but today I'm talking about a different character. This bounty hunter may not can we Can we add in a womp womp? In post. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, this bounty hunter may not be well known if you're just a Star Wars fan that's only watched the movies. Uh, so this guy is primarily in the Clone Wars animated series. And he goes by the name of Cad Bane. The main reason Cad Bane is number one on my list is because of his awesome hat. Coolest hat in the whole series. But seriously, uh, this guy was a very successful bounty hunter. Let me put it this way. He was the bounty hunter that we all wish Boba Fett would be. Let me repeat that. Cad Bane was the bounty hunter that we all wanted Boba Fett to be. That's some very bold claims, Wesley. Very bold claims. I was going to say, you say something so bold yet so uh, controversial. Yeah, man. Yeah, people uh, lo you're messing with people's love for Boba Fett. But keep going. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Boba Fett just like anyone else, but as far as being successful, uh, Cad Bane uh, met the definition. He was deadly. He was, he was about no nonsense. He was dangerous, and he was purely all business. Cad Bane is one of my favorite characters in the whole series because the first season of The Clone Wars, he pulled off this really, really cool heist where he broke into a Jedi temple and stole a holocron. After stealing the holocron, he had to have a means of opening it, so what does he do? He captures a Jedi Master, Ropel. In order to coerce Ropel into opening the holocron, he had to go into dirty tactics like torturing him, 
But what does Cad Bane do? Tortures Ropal to death. Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka, and their team tries to rescue Ropal, and in doing so, they get outplayed by Cad Bane. Cad Bane then made Anakin open the holocron to save Ahsoka's life. All that to say, Cad Bane not only kills Jedis, he outmaneuvers, he's sly, he's cunning, and he's all about the business. So Wesley, I do have this one question. What's that? Would you say, would you say that Cad Bane is more or less successful than Boba Fett? I would say he is more successful just going through the entire Clone Wars series. He, uh, I've, I've named two episodes of where he was successful, but um, there, almost every episode he appeared in, he was he accomplished what his goals were. You're right. He springs Zero the Hunt from Hut from jail. Um, he goes and steals the four sensitive children. Uh, that was a pretty cool arc. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, yep. Cad Bane. And you talk about the hat. He's got that hat. He's got that voice. He's like a hunter. He's like a big game hunter. And like you said, he's a Jedi killer. There's not many villains that don't wield lightsabers that can kill a Jedi. And that's just the Star Wars series. But Cad Bane successfully does that. He holds his own against Obi-Wan and, oh, is it Quinlan? Quinlan Voss. Yep. That's right. And I don't know if y'all know this, but in, in Rebels, he... He doesn't physically make an appearance, but in one of the first episodes, Sabine is is spray painting art in her room, and she spray paints a small picture of Cad Bane himself on the wall. Oh yeah, he's famous. He's famous in the galaxy for being such, um, just such a cool bad guy. I don't remember if he was actually killed or not. Uh, do, do y'all recall? I was I was just about to say. I think who wants to speculate on if he's alive? Yeah, because they leave they leave his story open ended. We don't know if he's dead, if he dies. Um, I don't know exactly how long a Duro lives, but he could still be out there, maybe even in the Mandalorian. So I honestly think he survives, man. He's got one of those um attitudes that, that he could survive through anything. I think he's I think he's still alive. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um he was able to take on Jedi as powerful as Obi Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. Of course Ahsoka was young at the time, but be able to not just take them on but outsmart them so i'm sure he survived through the rest of the clone wars and who knows through the empire probably worked for him they use bounty hunters every once in a while uh look at revenge of the or yeah revenge of the no not revenge of the Sith lord empire strikes back revenge of the empire striking jedi <laughs> revenge of the jedi back mandalorian anyways Wesley, you make an awesome case for Cad Bane while also making all the Boba Fett lovers mad because you said he was more successful than Boba Fett. And you actually proved it. I, I think that was very well done. So Cad Bane is Wesley's favorite villain. Let's keep this thing moving. Um, Let's go to Andrew. Andrew, who is your favorite Star Wars villain and why? Well, I'm like, uh, I'm like uh, Grant over here, you know. I've mentioned it pretty much every single episode so far. Uh, my favorite villain is 100% going to be Darth Vader. Uh, I think he's just your normal classic bad guy. I mean, he's just, he's so meticulous, you know. He doesn't fail at pretty much anything he does. You know, he has an insane backstory. He started out as, you know, a child who had no father, really, you know, had his mother, but they were both slaves. And it's like... 
growing up in that environment, growing up with no family, with nobody that loves you, being trained by somebody who kind of doesn't really care about you at all. You know, it's not really hard to see why he turned into who he was. And the fact that, you know, he's half robot, it kind of shows through his combat. You know, he's not agile. He's not flipping around like Yoda. He's not jumping around like Dooku. He's using the force. He's slow and meticulous. And honestly, I think that makes for really good bad guys. Can I just mention one tiny thing he failed to do? And that was save his loved ones from death. (laughs) <laughs> that is very true that was probably the final push that was probably the final push for him to become vader uh had, yeah. had padme yeah, not he was still died, anakin at that point that's right he i mean he he was in the robot suit when he found out that padme had died but what would have happened if he found out she was still alive and that she wanted him to be anakin skywalker and not darth vader i think that is something that that we could explore at some point and, and look at how that may have changed the whole situation. I mean, that's why I'm excited about all this new, all the new shows. I mean, I really will be surprised if there's not something about Darth Vader or if there's not some side story that comes up about Darth Vader. I mean, there's got to be a lot of information between episode three and episode four. I think the new Vader comics are canon. I say new. They're not super new. They've been out for, what, five, six years now. I believe they are canon. Yes, they are canon. Anyway. I think the Rogue One scene with Darth Vader sealed the deal of how awesome Darth Vader is. Dude, the Rogue One into A New Hope, that transition is one of the greatest transitions in cinema history, in my opinion. Like, it's just so, it's such a tiny little detail. And I think without it, Rogue One is still a great movie, but I don't know if it would have been one of my favorites. Darth Vader is probably cinema's greatest bad guy. Um, We all know that when Star Wars came out back in the 70s, it was huge. And a big reason that it was huge was Darth Vader. Um, He was like a villain we've never seen before. He, He had the black helmet, the black cape, the big figure. He looked different. He sounded different. He was intimidating. And when you think bad guy, Darth Vader is the quintessential bad guy. He's got the whole package. I think it's funny he's he has the biggest misquote of all time too because everyone says Luke I am your father but the actual line was no I am your father I am your father yeah it's oh man I'm telling you Darth Vader is probably one of my favorites as well I mean he's just a great villain um ultimately seeing his redemption was really cool but like uh, Andrew said, he doesn't really fail it much. The only two things I can think of is the first thing that Dietrich mentioned. He couldn't save Badme or his mom. Um, man, the dude cannot save women. Um, regardless, uh, he also failed at uh, saving the Death Star. That's the only <laughs> other thing that he failed at. Uh, he couldn't shoot down Luke. Luke was uh, too strong with the Force at that point, uh, being untrained. And he couldn't turn Luke to the dark side either. One of his, his main goal in Return of the Jedi was to turn his son to the dark side. And he failed at that as well. But, of course, he, he couldn't succeed or else Star Wars wouldn't be what it is. But 90% of the time, Darth Vader doesn't fail. He doesn't accept failure. And when he does fail, he gets reamed hard by uh, Palpatine. Um, I know some of some of the uh, 
kind of side story material talks about after a new hope when he shot down he actually has to go under a different imperial leader for a little bit and he comes back stronger than ever in empire strikes back not only is darth vader just bad to the bone and can beat anybody but he's resilient and that's that's one of his biggest character traits he doesn't give up yeah and i think that's a great trait to have um a villain that doesn't give up is really something that is, you know, not really seen all that often. Um, most of the time, villains in movies go to one movie and that there's the villain. And as soon as, you know, the hero of the story shows up and starts foiling their plans a little bit, they start going out of control and kind of lose it and don't piece it all back together. Um, part of that is just because it's typically a one movie type of thing. Other part of that is it's just how the villain's written. And Darth Vader is just a different kind of villain that's been written. Darth Vader, classic villain, great pick. He had to be someone's favorite villain. Um, he might have been multiple people's favorite villain, but if we all just talked about Vader, that's all that would be on this podcast. Diedrich, moving on to you. Who is your favorite Star Wars villain, and why do you like that villain? All right, so I'm going to kind of segue from Darth Vader to his grandson, Kylo Ren. First of all, I think we need a little a little representation from the sequel trilogy, and I think if, if there's anything about those three movies that's redeemable, it's probably Adam Driver playing Kylo Ren. I can agree with that. Um, and I'll continue the segue by mentioning one other failure Vader had, and that is he never killed his master up until the very end where he also dies. We do see Kylo Ren kill off Snoke, and it's a little fuzzy as to, you know, if Snoke is its own entity or if it's Palpatine, thanks to uh, Episode Nine. But I think it still kind of counts as being able to kill off your master, and that's pretty dope. That's something we've never seen in any of the Star Wars period, where somebody has killed off their Sith master and then still been able to walk away from the experience. I think uh, another big thing about Kylo Ren is I'm a huge Knights of the Old Republic fan, and his whole look to me is very reminiscent of Darth Revan, with the hood, the mask. Um, it's pretty dope. I just love seeing that, especially his look in Episode 7. I think that's the most reminiscent. My next biggest thing about Kylo Ren is he is the most dangerous villain in the entirety of Star Wars because he's so erratic. You don't know necessarily what he's going to do. He's a danger to himself, to his friends, to his family, to his enemies, to his master. He's just a loose cannon. You don't know what's going to happen. He's like the anti-Thrawn. <laughs> he's so chemically imbalanced, man. <laughs> and he's, he's dangerous. We never see any other villains kill off their family members like he does. Yeah, that's true. Um, Never really see another main character other than, I guess, Leia would be the only one that I would think of. But, I mean, the, the reason she died was due to Carrie Fisher's tragic passing. Um, but, I mean, other than Han Solo dying, we didn't really see a, a main character like that die in that way. Um, Obi-Wan, of course, in A New Hope, but he was old at that point. We we're like, man, this guy's going to you know, be part of the dirt left over there on Tatooine at this point. <laughs> Diedrich, I do have to disagree with you on one thing. I do not think that Kylo Ren is the most dangerous villain in the Star Wars universe. Is he the most erratic and emotionally uncontrolled? 
Yes, I do believe that. But I just don't think he was as powerful as a Vader or a Palpatine. And he wasn't even as powerful as Snoke. He got Snoke with trickery, which is totally cool. I think that's great. I think that works with his character development, and I think it had to be done. But I do not think he's the strongest villain there is out there, and he's beatable. Kylo Ren is beatable. I think there's a difference between being the strongest and being the most dangerous. I can concur on that. So I will give you strongest might not be Kylo. But again, he's just such of a, a loose cannon. You don't know what he's going to do. Well, and that's what killed Snoke. It was his loose cannon attitude. And he's definitely up there. But I think that Palpatine or maybe Vader, had they been Kylo Ren's master, would have felt that coming. Um, and I think they would have taken him. But again, this is why we have opinions. This is why we have a podcast. I think Kylo Ren is a really interesting character. I, I, um, I am very interested to see what they're going to do with him because if I'm not mistaken, at the end of episode nine, he's kind of a good guy in a way. Um, but still, I mean, you don't really see a villain besides Darth Vader have like a redemption arc. And I think that Disney is leaning hard into that. And I think Kylo was kind of their first big step. Like, of course, Darth Vader was the first one, but Kylo, now Boba Fett. Uh, so I think Kylo Ren is a really interesting character. But I, uh, the same reason why I don't like, you know, Revenge of the Sith, I feel like he was portrayed as like a whiny baby. And I don't like it when they portray Sith Lords or to be Sith Lords or Sith Lords to be as whiny babies. I don't understand that story arc. Yeah, he was a little too emo for me. Um, and it's sort of the inverse of Darth Vader and Anakin. You know, Anakin started good and then turned bad, whereas Kylo Ren started bad and then he turned good in the end. And then also that whole romantic thing between him and Rey, uh, I, don't, I don't, it was kind of weird. Yeah, I do feel like the romance angle between Rey and Kylo Ren was. It felt a little out of place to me, at least. I just didn't think they portrayed it very well. I, I get they have companionship, but they, they really tried to make it a romantic type of situation, and I don't think it worked out. Um, one thing I do want to say, though, in uh, The Force Awakens, I do not like Kylo Ren's character. Uh, I think it's very two-dimensional. He comes off as a Vader clone who's just not as good as Vader, um, and still, he, he can't even match Ray's skills at the end of the movie, which we can all, you know, discuss why or why not, or why that was, or why that wasn't. Um, Bowcaster bolt to the chest. Yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> that, there you go. That's a good... That'll that, do it. Yeah, that'll do it. A blaster bolt to the chest will do it. I'll give you that. But still, I think a Darth Vader, a Palpatine, a Maul... I still think they could have worked with it with someone who wasn't even trained like Ray. Like Ray, Ray didn't even have any informal training. She had no Jedi training. She was just, just heard the call of a lightsaber, and all of a sudden she's um, great at great at combat. But you know that's that's Maul was beaten by a, an apprentice. Yeah, but the apprentice had Qui Gon Jinn as a master. Let's not forget that mm. Qui Gon. But like I was saying, Kylo Ren in the beginning, of the first movie, he was very two dimensional, not very much growth. And I thought I was going to hate Kylo Ren through the rest of the series. 
The Last Jedi really changed how I felt about Kylo Ren. And I will agree with Diedrich that Kylo Ren's character arc is the best thing about the sequels. Uh, he kills his master. He struggles with the dark and the light. They're competing inside of him. And just to watch that struggle, to watch him... Because uh, we usually see the dark side pull at people very, very hard. The light side was pulling at Ben very, very hard. And we do not see that in the Star Wars universe at all. We never hear about the light side trying to turn someone from the dark side very much. Luke turned Vader, but not the light side of the Force. Um, Kylo Ren very much struggled with the light within him. And it was a very interesting character arc. Well, they made that struggle go through all three movies. And that's something they didn't do with Vader. Vader wasn't good until the very end. And we saw just big bad Darth Vader. And then at the very end, Anakin Skywalker shone through. We could see glimpses of Ben Solo throughout Kylo Ren's story arc through all three movies. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really unique and good about the sequels is that story arc and the light side pulling towards uh, Ben or Kylo Ren throughout that. Um, and I think that's something that they really did masterfully that I wouldn't mind seeing again in future iterations is, uh, you know, light and dark side both pulling, but it's not just the dark side. It's uh, also the light. I'd love to. I personally was hoping for the final episode to end with Ray becoming like the dark side, new dark Lord or whatever. And then Kylo becoming like the first Jedi that was part of the, you know, Sith Alliance. That would have been cool. I, I can see why they didn't do that. I thought that I think that would be very interesting to see. Um, I hate that they killed Kylo Ren, Ben Solo at the end of um, Rise of Skywalker. I, I really think that was a bad move because you could have had an open-ended ending for both of those characters and made some great stories later on. Agreed. Yeah, um, I have some theories about that, but that gets into some stuff with Rebels that Wesley hasn't seen yet. And I probably know where you're going with that. <laughs> so Kylo Ren is a great villain. He is the best thing about the sequels. And I'm not even going to argue that. Uh, that's point blank. That brings us to my favorite villain. Who's your favorite villain, Blake? So my favorite villain is one that um, I think everybody loves. Everyone enjoys to talk about. And someone who did not get very much attention until after um, he was first introduced and after a long time, he got his due in Clone Wars. And I'm talking about Darth Maul. Darth Maul is such an engaging bad guy. Um, he's very interesting. You see him in Episode 1, and he's got such a mysterious background. Where did he come from? Why does he look the way he does? He, he looks like a bad guy. Like, you can never see Darth Maul and be like, you know what, I think he could be turned from the dark side. No one would ever think that because of how imposing he looks, how terrifying he looks. Darth Maul looks very similar to what we would think that the devil or Satan would look like. And I think that was the point that George Lucas was trying to get across with him. He's a bad dude and you don't want to mess with him. That very mysterious, um, silent, he didn't say very much in episode one. Yet, he was very, very imposing. His presence was felt throughout every scene. Um, when he's battling Qui-Gon Jinn on Tatooine out of nowhere, he seems to come out of nowhere and attacks the Jedi Master. And that fight sequence was probably the first really, really cool prequel fight sequence we got to see 
between a Jedi and a Sith. Uh, probably the first really, really good lightsaber battle in the entire Star Wars series where they got to showcase that choreography that George Lucas really wanted to implement in the prequel era. But for a character who didn't say much, his actions did all of the talking in episode one. The way that um, he brutally murders Qui-Gon Jinn at the end of the movie, the way that he sneers and eggs on Obi-Wan to take him on, even though he's just an apprentice. Darth Maul is just a bad, bad dude. And he takes on Obi-Wan. He's about finished him off. And tragically, Obi-Wan, from the low ground, jumps up and slices Darth Maul in half, and he goes down the chute. And that's the last thing we hear of Darth Maul for years. I think the fans really enjoyed seeing Darth Maul in Episode One, and that's what led them to bring Darth Maul back in Clone Wars, where he has a lot more lines. He has a whole character arc. He begins at the bottom of a trash chute on some backwater planet with some robot spider legs. He's insane, and he comes out, and the only thing that he can think of is Obi-Wan. He wants to take Obi-Wan down. He wants to kill him. What does he do? He picks himself up, and he goes after Obi-Wan. That's when he finds Savage Opress, and he goes back to Dothamir. He gets his mind right. Um, they do all their dark side magic, and now he is our old Darth Maul from Episode 1. But he has all that rage and anger towards Obi-Wan Kenobi, towards Palpatine, because Palpatine used him as a puppet and discarded him, like, when he died, he didn't go looking for him. He didn't try to take him back. He didn't try anything. He just left him out to die. And Darth Maul has rage against the Sith and the Jedi. This is when he goes from Darth Maul to just Maul. And it's, it's intriguing to see all, all of the things that he did. He goes through this crazy character arc. He's after Obi-Wan Kenobi. He captures him a couple times. They, they fight a bunch of times. Then he goes and conquers Mandalore at the end of the Clone Wars he goes and tries to uh, take over Mandalore. He's almost successful in pretty much taking over the whole planet. And, of course, we see Ahsoka fights him, captures him, brings him back. And then fast forward to Rebels, and we see Old Maul. Old Maul is a bitter, old dark side user. He's not a Sith. He's not a Jedi. But he just wants to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi and Palpatine. That is his whole reason for existing. And his seduction of Ezra Bridger to the dark side, or his attempt to bring Ezra to the dark side, was intriguing to watch as well. It was cool to see Darth Maul, in his old bitter years, try to take on an apprentice so he could go after Palpatine and Obi-Wan, and maybe he could rule the galaxy, or whatever he was going to try to do after turning Ezra. And then he finally catches up with Obi-Wan and dies on Tatooine. But that's why Darth Maul is the best Star Wars villain. In my opinion, that is. But I think he's the best Star Wars villain. Anybody got any comments on that? Yeah, um, you missed the most important reason why he's the best villain. The Kenobi screen. Why's that? Kenobi! Is that how it went? I don't think so. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Close? Okay. Well, you can use that. This has been a Kenobi production. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it right now. Maul's but. cool. I think, I, for me, what really made Maul cool was seeing him at the end of, what was it, season seven of the Clone Wars. 
the whole arc with oh on Mandalore, I can't remember. The Siege of the Mandalore. Siege of yeah. Mandalore. yeah, Siege of Mandalore. Uh, that whole arc, to me, that was the most intriguing and interesting uh, vision of Maul we've, we've ever seen. He's usually so wrapped up in revenge that he can sometimes be a little one-dimensional, but he really seemed to have like a plan and something going on. Unfortunately, he was trying to get Anakin and or Obi-Wan to come, right? But I think it was just Ahsoka. That is correct. Seeing Darth Maul at the end of Clone Wars was... It was great. He was so hungry for revenge and power that he almost took over the Mandalorians, the the warrior race of the galaxy. And the only rivals they had really were the Jedi. Maul's rage is really what drives him and gives him the power to do the stuff he does. He is like probably the truest follower of the dark side because he gives into rage and hate so easily and so completely that it gives him powers that I don't think we see other Sith with. Um, he has a ferociousness that you don't see Count Dooku with or even Palpatine. Palpatine's a calm evil. Maul is just in your face, pure evil down to the bone. I remember watching the Clone Wars and just being introduced to the entire brotherhood on Dathomir and and their relationship with uh, those dark witches. I forget what they're called, but uh, it was it, it really kind of the night me. sisters. The night, yeah, the night sisters. Yeah, that all of that kind of spooked me a little bit for real. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that Darth Maul like has a bunch of powers that we don't even see. Um, there's one specifically that's kind of introduced in pretty much most Star Wars games, especially like um, MMOs where you have to regenerate your health, uh, called Seethe. And it it comes right from Episode 1, right in the middle of a battle between him, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. Right when the, the laser wall or the... Um, when the shield wall is put up, you can see him stepping back and forth. And that's actually... it's It's a... Jet, it's a Sith power called C. That's kind of the same things when a Jedi is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When a Jedi meditating. Yes, when a Jedi is meditating. Yeah. You don't really see any other besides, I guess, Darth Maul in his pod. You don't really see, or not Darth Maul, Darth Vader in his pod. You don't really see that kind of thing happen. Best thing about Maul is like when we see him in Episode One. And then we see him at the end of his life fighting Obi-Wan and Rebels. And he's still using a double-bladed lightsaber. Dope. I tell you what, that is something I did not even mention. That was the first double-bladed uh, double lightsaber that we see in all of Star Wars. And that was so cool. The way he wields it, the way he fights with it. That double-bladed lightsaber is sick. Yeah, it is. Um, one thing that Diedrich just mentioned about how he's, he's still using the double-bladed lightsaber, if you go back and watch The Phantom Menace and watch that fight with Obi-Wan in Rebels, you realize he makes the same move, he tries to use the same move against Obi-Wan that he used to kill Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, that's deep, man. I mean, he goes up, tries to hit him in the face with it, and then goes through the turn and, uh, you know, stabs him. And uh, it worked on Qui-Gon, as we saw in uh, The Phantom Menace. But uh, against Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan slashed right through the lightsaber and uh, cut them all down, finally. He made an appearance in Solo the movie, which was the only good thing about that movie. Um, Maul at the end of the Solo movie was pretty cool. It was a good cameo. I just don't know where they're going to go with it. It doesn't seem like there's anywhere to go. We know where Maul, Maul ends up. 
um, thanks to Rebels. Oof. So what he's doing between Solo movie and his death in Rebels, it, it's almost irrelevant to me. Uh, I wouldn't say irrelevant because, I mean, at that point he was leading, what, the Black Suns? Um, and so I kind of like to see, well, what happened to that? Like, he, at the time of Rebels, he's not leading them anymore. So how did he fall? How did that happen? It really seems like they just put Darth Maul in that movie to as a wow factor to kind of connect the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy because that's all really that uh, that's that's all it really does. Um, seeing Darth Maul at the end of the solo movie because something major must happen because there's not much time between that and when we see him in the Sith Temple and when we see him trying to get Ezra to turn to the dark side. So whatever happened, it happened very, very quickly. And I don't know, I, I think it was just kind of a retcon, to be honest. Well, I mean, on top of that, you can remember that an uh, Inquisitor uh, was chasing Maul during that system. So maybe the Inquisitor came and attacked and destroyed his empire and then was chasing him. And that's where it goes to. Yeah, because it's, it's pretty evident in Rebels when he sees the Inquisitors again. He knows who they are and what they're about. That's true. But I'd like to think... You can kind of infer. Yeah, I agree. But I would, I would like to think that Maul could take on any of the Inquisitors, though. Even one or two of them, together. I mean, he did kill, like, two or three of them in that Well, well that's true, that too. Sequence. But why would he... I just don't think he should be running from them or be afraid of them. I think he could take all of them. He is, he is definitely afraid of Vader, though. Oh, now that's a whole different story. So, that's that, Darth there Vader. could be a story there. That would be cool to see. Darth Maul versus uh, Darth Vader. It would be interesting, but I'm not sure how much of a fight it will be... Uh, while Vader's very strong, like we said earlier, he's also very slow and mechanical. Uh, Darth Maul's fighting style is very agile, very quick, and maybe his quickness and his not afraid to use the dark side powers would give him an advantage over Darth Vader. But that could probably be another podcast episode where we talk about who we think would be, uh, you know, win a battle royale of Sith Lords. Yeah, that would be a really cool episode. So we are definitely planning our episodes while we're recording a current episode. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I've definitely got theories on that. And with that, we come to the end of our episode of Dork Wars, the podcast for this week. We like to thank everyone for your engagement with our podcast, listening to us, sharing with your friends. Please keep doing that. Um, until next Thursday, thank you, and may the Force be with you. for supporting Dork Wars the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a... Thrown off right now. Production.